Well, it's a privilege and honor for us to be here today, Urban Impact, with all of you. And I thank Pastor and all the pastoral staff and the leadership and you. Because for such a time as this, God has brought us together, I believe, to do something that only uh, we can do. And one of the things he, he does through us is that he brings partners together in the body of Christ so that we can lock arms, so that we can run his, his errands for such a time as this. And I believe the Lord has brought us all together because he knows we could do a lot more together than we could ever have done apart. I mean, think about our name. You're called Impact Church. We're called Urban Impact. I think God wants to make an impact. How about you, you know? He's brought us together to make a greater impact right here in Robinson as well as in the city of Pittsburgh. So on behalf of Urban Impact and myself, I thank you for this great partnership in the gospel. But also the opportunity I have to open up the word of God to all of you. So let's get started. Our passage is found in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Our secondary passage is going to be found in Psalm 139, verses 13 through 16. And the title of our sermon is called, Created for a Purpose. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you and praise you for who you are. And I would just ask you right now to forgive me and cleanse me of any sin. And that you'd fill me with your spirit and you'd speak through me to your people. And we as your people would not just be stirred but we would be changed, that we wouldn't just be hearers of your word, but we would be obedient to it. For Lord, we ask these things in Jesus' name, amen and amen. How many of you have heard of Helen Keller? Please just raise your hand. Most of you, if not all of you, and the reason you know who she is is because she made a tremendous impact on our world, despite the fact that she had a number of limitations. And one of those limitations was that she was blind. And a reporter came to her once and said, Helen, what's worse than being blind? And she said, able to see, but have no vision. Able to see, but have no vision. What I believe the Lord wants to do for all of us this morning is to give us a clear vision of his purpose for our lives. For he created us. He's the one that gave us life. Someone said this once about life. Life is like a coin. You can spend it anywhere you want, but you can only spend it once. What was that person saying? You have one life. Make it count. Make it count. There's no doubt in my mind that you didn't get up this morning and come to church in hopes that the preacher would help you figure out how you can waste your life. It's not why you got up this morning. Matter of fact, I've been in ministry for 33 years. I've never had anybody ever walk up to me and say, hey, Pastor Ed, can you help me figure out how I can waste my life? Never happened. But if I've heard it once, I've heard it a thousand times. People coming to me and saying, Ed, can you help me figure out why I'm on the planet and what I'm supposed to do? Because I don't want to waste my life. I want to make a difference with it. I want to make an impact with my life. And every time they come and ask me that question, I take them to the passages I'm taking you this morning. Ephesians chapter 2 and Psalm 139. Let's get into it. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says this, For we are God's workmanship, Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. In the beginning of that verse, it talks about workmanship. Let me break that down for us. The word workmanship there, if you, if you notice in the scripture, it tells us very clearly that God is the creator and we are his creation. God is the creator and we are his creation. He's the designer and we are his design. In this passage, he's referring to himself as the craftsman and we are his handiwork. You are God's workmanship. 
I notice in this church there's a lot of people who have giftedness in the arts and in industry and in working with your hands, building. It's amazing. That's what he's referring to himself. A craftsman. And you are his workmanship. Did you know that you are one of a kind, custom designed creation of God's? You're an original. There'll never be another one like you on the planet. You've heard the old saying, when God made you, he broke the mold. That's true about every one of you in this room. You're an original. One of a kind, custom designed creation of God's. No one else will ever have your fingerprint, your voice print, your footprint, your DNA. You're an original creation of God's. Custom made. I have four kids. Three boys, one girl. My youngest son, his name is Jonathan, when he was seven years old, he walked out of church one day and snowflakes were falling from the sky. And he looked up at his mother, my wife Tammy, and said, Mom, they told me in Sunday school that all the snowflakes, God makes them all. And every one of them are different. Is that true? And she said, yes, I believe that's true. He took a couple more steps and he got this funky look on his face. And he looked up at his mother and said, Mom, does God ever run out of ideas? And Tammy looked at him and said, no, there's no bottom to God's creativity. No bottom. It's not only true about snowflakes, but that's true about each and every one of us in this room. You're an original. Never be another one like you on the planet. Custom design for a purpose. Look what it says in the scriptures over in Psalm 139. David has is, is caught this same concept. The Holy Spirit moves upon him and he writes it down in a different way. He says this. For you created my inmost being. Who's you? He's referring to God. Inmost being, he's talking about his liver, his lungs, his kidneys, your heart. God created that. And he created yours. The verse continues. You knit me together in my mother's womb. In other words, God took your organs and he connected them with your veins and your arteries. Verse 15. My frame was not hidden from you. Frame is referring to your bone structure, your skeleton. God created that. Verse 16. Your eyes saw my unformed body. That word literally means embryo. From the moment you were conceived in your mother's womb, God was creating you. Not mother nature. Not even your mom and dad. God used your mom and dad to make you, but God created you in your mother's womb. You know what that means? That means that not one of you in this room, not one of you, is a mistake. Or an accident. Or here by chance. God created you in your mother's womb for a purpose. He created you. And he created you for such a time as this. You know, many people come up to me over the years after the service. So you'll at least be one. It's inevitable. And they'll walk up to me and they'll say, Pastor Ed, you know, I believe what you said today is true. God created us. But can I tell you how I feel? I'll say, sure. And they'll say, but I feel like I'm a mistake. I feel like I'm an accident. And every time people say that, this is what I say back to them. I try to look them in the eyes like I'm trying to look at each and every one of you in this room. 
And I say this. Listen, your mom and dad might have made some mistakes, but you're not one of them. God used your mom and dad to make you, but God created you in your mother's womb. Why? Because he wanted you. And he created you for a purpose. And ultimately, that purpose is to have a relationship with him. Then I'll take him back to our verse and I'll say, it says, for we are God's workmanship, what's it say? Created in Christ Jesus. Why do we have to be in Christ? Because I say to them, because all of us have gone astray. All of us have broken the laws of God. We've all, not one of us in this room that can say that we're perfect. Not one. And God knows that. And knows that we were lost. So he sent his son, Jesus, who died on the cross for our sin. And then walked out of the grave. And he has all power and all authority to forgive you of your sin. And to bring you back into a right relationship with God. And he did all that because he created you not just to be a creation, but to be a child of the living God. And the only way you get brought back into the family of God where you can have a relationship with God is by putting your faith in Jesus Christ. So God sent his son, for God so loved you that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have what? Eternal life so that you can not only know God now but know that heaven will be your home. See, God created you but he created you to be a child of the living God. And the only way that happens is by putting your faith in Jesus Christ. Then I say this to them. If you have a faith or if you don't, you can. Matter of fact, Pastor Bill is going to come up later and give you that opportunity to come to know Christ if you don't know him. And when you know him, you can know for certain that you're forgiven and that you have eternal life and that you're a child of God. But if you know God, that he created you for the purpose I say to them, and here's what I say. You see, in God's kingdom, in the family of God, there are no orphans. Why? Because the Bible says that God the Father is the father of the fatherless. You might not know who your mom and dad are, but you can know the one who created you ultimately and wants a relationship with you. Folks, do you know that there are 24 million children in America that don't have a father living in their home? 24 million. Let me break that down for you. 29% are Caucasians. 54% are Hispanics. And 70% are African American children growing up without a father in the home. You know what that kind of impact that's having on our society? And Kids, listen to this. This, census, this is the US, U.S. Census Bureau information. This is what they say. Fatherless homes are responsible for 90% of homeless and runaway children, 85% of all youth in prison, 80% of rapists with displaced anger, 71% of all high school dropouts, fatherless, 71% of teen pregnancies, 70% of juveniles in state operating institutions, 63% of youth suicides, and I can go on and on and on talking about the impact that fatherlessness is having in our society today, in America. And this has grown. This is not a problem. This has become an epidemic in America. It's grown 280% since the 70s. So this isn't going away. It's escalating. So you know what we've done together? 
Impact Church and Urban Impact, we've locked arms with one another, and we're running a thing called Man Up Pittsburgh. Man Up Pittsburgh is for us men. Anybody between ages 15 on up can go to this event. We've been doing it for eight years, and the purpose of it, men and ladies, is this, is to impact men so that they can love God, love their wives, and love their kids. Love God, love their wives, and love their kids. In other words, helping us men impact our families for the glory of God, but then challenging us to impact the fatherless in our communities as well as in the city of Pittsburgh. And folks, this is not a one-and-done event. This is a movement. It's happening in Pittsburgh, and I run another one down in Charlotte, and it's got potential to go in many, many places. This year, the, the lineup I have is outstanding. And men, you do not want to miss this. It'll happen on June 13th. Ladies, it's just before Father's Day. And send your men out. Give them a Father's Day gift. Send them out so that they can be encouraged. And this event isn't there to beat you up. It's there to build you up. We have enough people beating us up, guys. We need people to lift us up and strengthen you to be a man of God and to take what God has given you and bring glory and honor him. So don't miss this, June 13th. Well, God created us, folks, and he created us for a purpose, but he also chose us. Second point is God chose us. Look what it says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. It says, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Psalm 139, verse 16, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. What's this whole idea of God knowing about you in advance? God knowing your days before one of them came to be. What that means is that God knew about you before he ever created the heavens and the earth. He knew about you before he ever created time that we know of. See, with God, there's no time. He's eternal. But we have time. We live in time. And he created the heavens and the earth. And before he ever created that... He knew about you. Someone said it this way. If God would have had a wallet before he ever created the heavens and the earth, your picture would have been in it. He's known about you before there was ever a you. So listen, God created you, but he chose the time in which you were born. He chose you for such a time as this to be alive in this generation. Time magazine was trying to figure out why and when people were born. And what they discovered is that an average man, when he releases sperm, he releases 500 million opportunities for birth. When it was your time to be born, God looked at those 500 million opportunities and he said, I want that one and you were born. Say this with me. I am one. Now say it like you mean it. I am one. Now say it like your life depends on it. I am one out of 500 million. Look right here. The next time somebody suggests to you or you begin to think that you're a mistake, an accident, or here by chance, you remember you are one out of 500 million. And when people begin to suggest or you begin to think that other way, you remember that's a lie. It's an absolute lie. I was created and I was chosen for such a time as this to be alive in this generation. Look, you could have been born in the 1400s. You could have been born in the 1600s or the 1800s. You're sitting in that chair looking up at me because God created you for such a time as this to be alive in this generation. 
You know, when I've said these truths, it's inevitable again. That someone will stop me out in the foyer and they'll say, Pastor Ed, I believe everybody else is chosen today in that room, but God wouldn't choose me. Why he wouldn't choose me? Because if you knew how many times I've screwed up and the things I've made a mess out of, you wouldn't even believe that God would choose me. And every time they say that to me, I say, well, let me say this to you. First of all, your thoughts and how you feel are lying to you. Because the truth is, God did choose you, and he chose you and created you for such a time as this. And let me tell you why he chose you. And I tell him a story. This is a story, true story. A friend of mine, his name is David. He and I used to travel around speaking. And he had a lot of limitations, a lot of physical limit- limitations. As a matter of fact, one of them took him home to be with Jesus. But I'll never forget the story he, talks about, he told about himself when he was in eighth grade. He woke up one Saturday morning. It was a beautiful day. And because of these physical limitations, he'd never played basketball in his life. But this day he woke up and said, I'm going to play basketball. And he knew he could because his big brother was out in the backyard every Saturday, depending on the weather, playing basketball with about 20 or 25 other guys. So sure enough, David got his clothes on, went out in the backyard, beautiful day. There's his big brother with 20, 25 guys playing basketball. He walks up and says, hey, can I play? And he all said, sure, David, grab the basketball, go to the foul line, you make the shot, you get to choose who's on your team. So David walks over. Now, remember, he'd never played basketball before. Grabs the basketball, goes to the foul line. He says he shoots the ball. He said it missed the rim. It missed the net. It missed the backboard, he said. It missed the air. He said it missed everything. He said then his big brother came up behind him, grabbed the basketball, went to the foul line. This is what he said. He said, my brother, big brother, I saw him make 109 foul shots in a row. That's a good basketball player. He went to the foul line, made his foul shot. 25 guys lined up in front of his big brother. And David said he pointed at every one of those young men. Finally, his finger landed on David. And he said, David, I choose you. And David looked at him and said, you choose me? He said, yeah, I choose you. David said he walked off that line. He's coming up to his big brother. He said he came up to about his brother's belly button. He said, my mother named me right. She named me David. She should have named my brother Goliath. He was massive. So he comes up. He's walking up to his brother, and he realizes this isn't anything about basketball. This isn't about basketball. He walks over, and he sinks his head into his brother's belly, and he just begins to weep. And his brother put his arms around him, David said, and he just held him there. And I'll never forget what he said. He said, right then it all stopped being about basketball. For my brother didn't choose me because I was a good basketball player. He chose me because he loved me. He loved me. Look right here. God didn't create you and choose you because you're perfect. He didn't choose you because you're good enough. He chose you because he loves you. He created and chose you because he loves you. But he also has called us. He's called us to fulfill a purpose. That takes us to our third point. Our third point is that he called each and every one of us for a purpose. In other words, he chose you, created you for such a time as this, 
to be alive in this generation to do something only you can do. You can't do what I've been called to do, and I cannot do what you've been called to do. But if we ever, as the body of Christ, lock arms together and get to doing what God called all of us to do in this room, we can change the direction of this country as well as this world. It ain't over, everybody. Let me tell you that. It isn't over. And God wants to use us for such a time as this. Look what it says here in the scriptures. It says this. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Right there it says we are cho- we are, we're, we're called to do something that only we can do. He's given us work to do. What is that work? Well, first of all, you can't do this work if you don't have a relationship with Christ. Because you're, you're a creation, but you're not a child of God. And until you come to know Christ as your Savior, then this stuff's going to make sense. So I encourage you to think about that. If you don't have a relationship with the Lord, you can today. But I'm, I'm looking and talking now to everyone else in the room, those of us who are believers. This is what he says. This is our calling. We're called to know God and to make him known. Can you say that with me? To know God and to make him known. Simple as that. There's a lot more to it, but let me give you three things that you have to do in order to know God and make him known. I call them the three M's. The first one is that we are all called to mature in the likeness of Jesus. Second, we are to have a ministry in the body of Christ. And third, we are to fulfill the mission of Christ. Let's look, first of all, at maturing in the likeness. In the scriptures, it says this, in Romans chapter 8, verses 28 and 29, all things work together for good for those who love God and called according to his purpose. And that purpose is that we become like Christ. Look what it says over in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 12 and 13. To God's people, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of God. To be, become mature. How do you become mature? By putting these disciplines into practice. Number one, we got to be a worshiper. You got to worship the Lord. Two, you got to be in the Word of God. You got to be in God's book. Three, you've got to pray. You got to be a person who prays. Four, you've got to have fellowship, be in fellowship where iron can sharpen iron. You got to give testimony of the things that God is doing in your life. You got to keep short accounts with God. In other words, you got to confess sin and repent, and then you got to walk in the fullness of God's Spirit. And if you're doing that day in and day out, you will become more and more like Jesus. Your mind will be fixed more on what, who, what, the way Jesus thinks, and so will your attitude. You'll become more and more like Jesus. Guess what, folks? You made a tremendous decision this morning. You came to a place where all those things are active, where you can be part of the body of Christ and you can continue to grow. But it doesn't just happen on Sunday. You've got to do it day in and day out. That's why the church has small groups and Bible studies and all this stuff so that you and I can continue to grow in the likeness of Christ. Second, you're not only here to mature, but you also have to have a ministry in the body of Christ. If you've been born again of the Spirit, you came to know Christ. The Bible says you were born again, born of the Spirit of God. That means the Spirit of God. God. Imagine that. God lives within you. He dwells within you. And when you, had that, when you made that relationship, guess what the Spirit of God brought to you? He brought to you a gift. Every believer has a gift in the Spirit. 
It's not your gift, it's the Spirit's gift. And it only is active is if you are allowing the Spirit of God to work in your life to use that gift. And that gift is used of God and you can use it. But guess what? You've got to use it. You've got to cooperate with the Spirit so that you can be part of the family of God. So you have a position in the family. I'm going to turn this family, if you will, into a team. Or an army. However you want to look at it. You you know why I call it an army? Because we're in a spiritual war. And I'll tell you what, the enemy out there is trying to destroy everything that you love. He's He's trying to destroy you and everything you believe in. And everyone you love. So we're in a battle together. We need to lock arms because we're going to war. And you're the foot soldiers. You and I, we're out there every day and God is looking for us to win this war. He won it, but we're in battles every day. Remember that. We always fight from victory, not for victory. Jesus Christ has already done it. He walked out of that grave and each and every one of us are going into the kingdom of God. But there are those that still need to be in the kingdom. And he's looking for us to go and go and use our gifts Look right here. You've been given a gift. And you have a position on the team to use that gift. If you don't use that gift, listen, Satan has a scouting report on every one of us in this room. And he knows who shows up and who doesn't. And when you don't show up to use your gift, guess where he's going to hit the ball? We have children's ministries, adult ministries, young ministry. You have all kinds of ministry in the body of Christ. And Jesus is counting on you to use that gift in the body of Jesus Christ. Amen? That's why we're here. Last is this. Not only are you to mature in the likeness of Jesus, not only are you to have a ministry in the body of Christ, but you need to fulfill a mission. The mission. In Luke chapter 19.10, this is what Jesus said. He said, I came to seek and save that which is lost. Did he fulfill the mission that the Father gave to him? Absolutely. He went to the cross. He walked out of the grave. He made it possible for everyone to be saved. But when he walked out of that grave, he came up to his disciples in John 20, 21. He said this. He says, as the Father has sent me, now I send you. Another way of saying that, as the Father has given me the mission, now I'm giving you the mission. And then he told them the mission. In Matthew 28, verse 19, it says, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. The commandment in that, in that verse is found in two words. The word make disciples. Can you say that with me? Make disciples. That's the commandment. That's not an option for believers. And that's not just for us pastors. That's for every believer. We're all to make disciples. Notice I didn't say be a disciple. That's taken for granted. It's talking about making disciples. Look right here. If you are not making disciples, you are not fulfilling the mission of God. You're not. The Bible's made it very, very clear that you and I do not have forever to do what God called you to do. And folks, you do not want to stand before God and miss what I'm saying to you. It'll be devastating. God created you and chose you and won you to himself. Yes, to disciple you. And that's what pastors and I and everybody, we do that. We train you. We equip the saints to do the work. But you are called, just like us. What's it mean to make a disciple? You take what you've learned, hear me, take what you learned, and you impart it to somebody else. 
If you're not taking what you're learning and imparting it to somebody else, you're not making disciples. So Jesus is calling us out to do that for such a time as this. So in the scriptures, when it says this, it also says, what's amazing to me, is then he tells us where to do it. He says, you know what? To the disciples. In Acts chapter 1, verse 9, he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, Holy Spirit living in you, giving you gifts to do what? Ministry and fulfill the mission. And you will receive power and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and out of parts of the world. That God will use you and your testimony to impact people's lives. No matter where you live, where you go, what you do. He's called you to do that. So as you witness, as you go out and you be that, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and other parts of the world, people will come to know Jesus, and when they come to know Jesus, you get the opportunity to make a disciple. Or you can come along somebody who's already come to know Christ and make disciples by taking what you've learned and imparting it in them. Now stop right here. Look right here. What is amazing to me is the disciples in that day, they achieved that assignment. They went to Jerusalem, they went to Judea, they went to Samaria, and they went to the other parts of the world. In their generation. The Bible makes it very clear that God sent his son. Then he sent his spirit. Now he sends the church. That's us. In this generation. To go and do what? To make disciples that make disciples. How do we do that? By taking what we've learned. Imparting it in others. And being a witness. Where? In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and other parts of the world. I've had the privilege to speak a lot. In different places of the United States. As well as internationally. And what I see happening in the American church is this. Not, a lot of, not all churches, but quite a few churches. Is that people that come on Sunday, they're being discipled, but they're not making disciples. They're being discipled, but they're not making any disciples. And second thing that I see happening in the American church is this. That a lot of churches are going to Jerusalem. That's where they live, where they're located. Robinson or wherever you live. And then they go to the outer parts of the world. Fairly good. But what has happened for decades in the American church is we jumped over Judea and Samaria. Say that with me. Judea and Samaria. What am I talking about? I'm talking about the cities in America. What's happened is that the church for years has never really developed a strategy, if you will, or locked arms and figured out how to go back into our cities and win the cities for Jesus Christ. And because of that, people come to me all the time where I live in the city, and they'll say to me, Pastor Ed, how come America, in our day, we've lost the Judeo-Christian ethic, the Ten Commandments? How could that happen in our lifetime, that we lost the Ten Commandments in our country? How could it be in our day that our leaders of our country could stand up and no longer declare us as a Christian country? How could that happen in our day? A lot of reasons, but one of the reasons is is because the American church has never really had a strategy of going back into cities with the gospel of Jesus Christ, trained up workers. We've done that overseas, but we don't do it in the United States to come into the city. And do that kind of work. So listen, I could take you all through the city of Pittsburgh. I could take you to different cities all around the United States. And I could show you that we used to have a presence in those cities. And in Pittsburgh, I'd show you one church building after another church building. And now those churches are restaurants. 
strip joints, medical centers, but no presence of Christ. Listen, what's so exciting that you are part of a church that caught a vision that God told us to do. To go to where? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and out of parts of the world. We have the opportunity for such a time as this, while we're alive, to lock arms together to make a difference right here in Robinson, right where you live, around the world, and in the city of Pittsburgh. Because Urban Impact Foundation has been down there 33 years, transforming lives. We've won two national awards for transforming lives in the city of Pittsburgh. We are getting thousands of people being impacted in the city. And it's, it's so exciting to be here with you tonight, today, and, and locking arms with you, knowing that we can do this together in our lifetime. We can impact our city for the glory of God. Now look right here. How can you do that? How can you get engaged with Urban Impact Foundation? Well, there's a number of ways. I don't have time to tell you all about it. But if you go out to the foyer... And you look out, there's going to be a table out there. And you could go right out into the foyer and find out how you can be engaged. But how do you do that? You can pray, you can give, and you can go. Pray, give, go. That's easy ways that you can do that. But let me just talk to you about, about going, about serving. You know what, Urban Impact Foundation, we're a Christian community development organization. That means we're in schools, outside of schools. We're working with, with businesses. We're, working, we're getting kids jobs. You know what? 100% of our kids graduate from high school. 97% of them get a job, go to a college, go to a trade school, go in the military or the ministry. 97% of all the kids that we're working with in our core, core areas. 100% graduation. We're moving kids into businesses. We're moving kids in so that they can work and they can have a life. But we're also moving people into ministry. And it's all happening together. One of the things that we're looking for, one of the things I, we really, really need is that the missionaries, we, we call ourselves missionaries because we have to raise our own support and we have to live on the north side. I've got 37 families that raise their support and they live on the north side of Pittsburgh and we're impacting one person, one family, one block at a time in that city and we're moving them in. But what's happening on the north side? The, the cost of living is skyrocketing on the north side. I'm going to tell you what, you've got some money, you want to invest in the north side right now. I mean, they're building everything imaginable. But what's happening? Rent's going out the roof. Cost of living's going out the roof. So we had to go in, Urban Impact, we had to buy some homes so that we could renovate those homes so that we could keep the cost of living down for our missionaries so they could do their work. We've, we've bought four, we've renovated those four, and we've got eight more to buy and renovate. And what churches are doing right now with us, a lot of men and women are coming down on the north side with us, and we have two workers that will help you work in that, in that house. We're buying homes. We're renovating those homes so that we can keep the body of Christ, people living in that community, preaching and communicating and demonstrating the gospel. If you have that kind of gift, if you have that kind of ability to do those kinds of things, come talk to us about that. My last thing is this. Don't retire, rewire. Don't retire, rewire. We need people in marketing. We need people in every, every part of the business the, area that you can imagine coming down so that we could take back the city for Pittsburgh, take back the city for Jesus Christ. But let me end with this. The thing is that you don't have forever to do what God called you to do. We're not getting any younger and we have a great opportunity everybody. But you don't want to miss it. God created you, God chose you, and God has called you. I had a friend, he's a pastor, he was in a college class, and he hated it. 
It was literature, and he couldn't stand the class. So he kept putting it off. He had one assignment, only had one assignment to do. So write a paper. He put it off, put it off, until two weeks before it was due. Finally, he pulled out the syllabus, and he went to the library. For two weeks, he pulled all-nighters until he got that paper done. He finally turned it in, and he turned it in on time. When he got it back, on the paper it said, good paper, good content, and it had a circle in the middle of that paper with a big F in it. And he looked at that and he said, how could I have good paper, good content, and fail? And on the bottom of the paper it said, wrong assignment. You don't want to miss your assignment, my friend. You don't want to miss it. You have such a time as this to do what God called you to do. And then it's over. And you don't have forever to do what God called us to do. For such a time as this, we're alive. We're locking arms together. And we're running his errands until we see him face to face. And you want to take as many people with you as you can. It's time. Right now is a great time. Listen to Pastor, Pastor Bill as he comes. He's going to give you an opportunity to come to know Jesus. He's going to give you an opportunity to serve. But I counted it an absolute privilege and honor to be with you this morning. Thank you for the partnership.